All right. Um, I have a lot of scripture to give you today. Is that okay? Um, let's start with Isaiah 66, 9. Isaiah 66, 9. Well, we just jumped right into it, didn't we? Wow. Um, Isaiah 66, 9. I'm going to be reading, um, I think all these are going to come from the NIV. But whatever you have is fine. I told you last week um, in that little mini four-minute four sermon that we're kind of switching from really theoretical to very practical, right? So I want to make sure that we, that everything we're talking about from this point forward is preparing us for what, what does it really mean to give birth, right? Um, so if, if you're here for the first time, we're doing a series called In Due Time. So it's in D-U-E time. We'll read the verse in a little bit that that comes from. But it's also in D-O time, right? In due time. And he's, man, how many of you feel that? He's just kind of pushing the church. See what I did there? Pushing, birthing, see? He's pushing the church out, right? Nothing is wrong with gathering together. Like you can ask Wendy, and I don't say this just because I'm the pastor. One of my favorite things is gathering on Sunday mornings with all y'all and gathering on Wednesday nights in prayer. I just, I feel I love them. They feed my soul, right? But church isn't just about gathering in, it's about going out, right? And that's the season we're in right now. I know he's giving birth um, to dreams and to revival and just to things, not just in our church, but in the church, right? So raise your hand if you're part of the church. That means he's got a plan for you, right? And so he's pushing us out. So today, um, if I was, I, I do have a title. Um, I don't usually title my sermons, but this one's just called The Baby is Coming, <clears throat> right? And I was thinking about, um, I mean, when the baby does come, I, I don't know how many of you have experienced your, your, your spouse looking at you and saying it's time, right? Um, I see this stuff in, in movies all the We didn't really ever get to experience that. Um, especially with the boys because like it was just seven weeks early and we just went in for a regular checkup and the doctor was the one that said might be might be time for y'all to get in the car and drive to the hospital right um, so we, we it was just kind of a weird little deal but I will tell you this the minute you hear somebody say it's time the first thing I thought of as the man was oh God <laughs> right we ain't ready Anybody feel that way? We're not ready for what's coming. And I think that if we're, it, it, that's kind of a normal reaction, right? So it's going to feel like I'm scattered. I don't want to be scattered today. Uh, just jot a couple of statements down. What we're going to see today is that God is faithful to deliver. And if God's faithful to deliver, we better be ready to receive. Okay? So Isaiah 66, 9 says this. This is God talking. Do I bring to the moment of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? Do I close up the womb when I bring to delivery, says your God? Now, some of, our, some of my memories of, of the birthing process are a little fuzzy because I was trying not to pass out. But I can remember um, at one point, like, somebody told Wendy, like, don't push. I think that might have been a person at the counter. <laughs> And then at some point, I mean, she, she's, she's nothing if not 
very, very obedient. So she took that literally, and then at some point, some other doctor, nurse, some person that was professional said to her, do you feel like pushing? And she was like, yeah. And they said, well, then push. And she, I could see her face, her face was like, but, but that person down the hall said not to, what? So like push, right? And I read this verse and that's what I think about. God's saying like, would I, would I bring you to the point of birth and not do it? He's faithful to deliver. He will deliver. He doesn't close up the womb. He doesn't say, well, that was, we are just practicing. And now all that pain and all that discomfort, all the um, elastic band, sweatpants stuff that you're wearing, just, you know, keep that because we're never going to go past this point. That's not our God. He's, everything he's doing in our church, everything he's doing in you, everything he's doing in this city, it's all bringing us to a point of birth. You with me? He is faithful he is faithful to deliver, which means that we have got to be ready to receive. So um, go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter, I think, chapter 5. Yeah, 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 6. So this is our part. It's amazing how it always lines up with the songs. Amazing. It shouldn't be, but it is. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. We talked about this this morning, right? That what he was doing was he was kind of like, hey, turning things down. Humble yourself. Come up under my hand. Before he gave David a throne, he gave David a cave. He put him in a cave. He said, I'm going to hide you here. I'm going to protect you here. I'm going to shelter you here. There, and sometimes we think, oh, he's got me in time out. You ever feel like that with God? Jeez, what did I do now? He's got me in time out. But he didn't, I mean, me and you have, that's our point, right? He didn't always have you in a cave because you're horrible. Sometimes he has you in a cave because there's horrible things happening around you. And he's protecting you, right? So his faithfulness is to deliver. Our job is to get ready to receive, right? I'm, I'm a big football fan, even though I like the Panthers. And one of the things I love about football is, is it's just so easy to see, for me, the gospel in football. Like, no quarterback is going to continually throw the ball to a wide receiver who drops it. He's going to find another wide receiver to throw the ball to because that ball is important. What they're trying to accomplish is important. And I just can't have you dropping the ball. I'm going to find someone else who is reliable, who is ready to receive what I'm throwing. That was good. Uh, it was, you know, I know it's, we're in Panthers land, so all of us are like, we don't know what that, what does that look like <laughs> when receivers catch the ball? Huh. It looks like the Super Bowl that we weren't in yet. Humble yourselves, therefore, under his mighty hand. Put yourself in a position where he can protect you, where he can help get you ready. And why is that? That he may lift you up when? In due time. There's a perfect time, there's a right time that God wants to lift you up. There's a perfect time, there's a right time when he wants to birth through you what he wants to do in the city. That ministry that you've been clinging to, praying about, feeling like maybe God's nudging me this way. There's a perfect time for that to happen. And we know that it will. Why? Because Isaiah 66 says, hey, 
I'm going to bring you to the point of delivery, and then I'm going to give birth. Well, that's great, God. What should I do while I'm waiting? Crawl up under his mighty hand. Humble yourself so that he may lift you up in due time. In due time. Do you know that in the Greek, that due time means a specific time in your life? My time. There's a time in my life when God says, I've seen you under my hand, and now it's time. It's time. Get in the car. Start driving to the hospital, right? So let me give you um, three, three things, if you're jotting stuff down. These are three areas where God wants to get us ready. And the way he gets us ready is he develops this thing. Ugh, I hate, I'm, we're family friendly here, right? So he develops this F word thing called faithfulness. Faithfulness sounds so good, doesn't it? Don't you love faithfulness? Unless he's developing in you, right? That's not fun. It's like praying for patience. Don't pray for patience before you get in the car. Because right? you can get behind every slow driver in the county, and there are a lot of them. Oh, a lot of them. You will get behind slow drivers, and you will lose that cell call you just made, right? Pray for patience. When we start saying, hey, God, make me faithful, he actually puts us in positions that demand faithfulness. And that feels a little bit like a chisel, doesn't it? I'm making you faithful. So here's three places, three areas that we can be faithful. Here's number one. He wants to develop faithfulness to our lane. L-A-N-E. To our lane. There are a lot of things that all of us are called to do, right? We're all called to evangelism. We're all called to share the gospel with people. We're all called to faithful stewardship, right? To, like... It's not just up to the, the committed people just to give some money every now and then, but he calls all of the body to share the responsibility of stewardship. He's called all of us to do certain things, but do you know that it's scriptural that there are some things that he's called only you to do? And he's looking for you to be faithful in your lane. I'll give you a couple of biblical examples. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, um, verses 10 through 19. We're going to meet a man named Ananias. Does anybody name their kids Ananias anymore? I don't think so. Sounds like a Christmas candy. Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 19. Now, um, Saul, Saul was going to Damascus to kill a bunch of people, and, you know, God knocked him off of whatever he was riding. And then he talks to a man named Ananias. And he tells Ananias to go and pray for Saul. And this is the conversation that he has. Lord, Ananias answered. I've, I'm sorry, hold on. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, this is very specific. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. And he, God would have lost a lot of us right there. Uh, what? Go to, go to where and talk to who and ask what? Ask for a man named Saul, for he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. And at that point, Ananias is like, wait, my name's Ananias, right? He's putting all the pieces together. Come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. 
By the way, Lord, I'm one of those people. But the Lord called to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now, I don't know if that last line made Ananias want to go a little bit more. Like, well, okay, if they're suffering for him, I'll go. But I will tell you this. I would say probably everybody in this room is a Gentile. And all of us have heard the gospel because of the man we're reading about right now. And I don't mean Paul. I mean Ananias. Who said, he said, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul. You can see him trembling, right? He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here. He has sent me so that you may see him, so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he, re he regained his strength. And unless I've missed it, I'm pretty sure this is the only time Ananias is mentioned in Scripture. He had one job. And it was to go to Straight Street and asked for a man who would have killed him the day before. So he could lay his hands on him and pray that he would see again and be sent by God to the Gentiles. And you and I are sitting here today because a man named Ananias was faithful to his lane. Here's another example, Acts chapter 6. Just back a couple, cha a couple chapters. The church was growing rapidly, y'all. Have you ever um, asked yourself hypothetical questions? I know we, we ask ourselves all the time, what would I do if I won the lottery? But I mean like real hypothetical questions, things, things I ask myself. What would happen to our church if we doubled in size overnight? <laughs> That's exactly how I feel. <laughs> it, it would be great, but like it would stress things like would there be enough people to serve? You start thinking of all these questions, right? And that's exactly what was happening in Acts chapter 6 in the early church. They weren't just doubling in size. They were seeing thousands of people added daily. I mean, thousands added daily. It would only take, what, 16 days to get the whole city in Albemarle? Yeah, like in two weeks, we could have that many people come into one location that's what was happening in Acts. And so we read about what their response was. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Don't overlook this. I won't hang out here long. But we think that if we can have a move of God, we'll never have a fight. If you're breathing... You know how to fight. Here's a church, the early church, growing like crazy. And not just at one gathering. They were in homes, in temples. They were, all, they were spreading out quick across the city. And, and we would love that, right? We would call that revival, no doubt. And in the middle of all that, two groups found something to talk about. You're never going to get away from drama. You're never going to get away from disappointment. You're never going to get away from the opportunity to be offended. Revival isn't the lack of those things or the absence of those things. Revival is how to handle those things in a way that honors God. 
So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would, listen, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. The only thing I want you to take away from this is not, well, those men thought they were too good to wait on tables. Because we know that's not true because we watched these men serve their whole lives. They served their whole ministries. They all gave their lives for the gospel. They served the body. What they were saying was, we have a lane that we're called to. That's not the one. And so we, if we're not called to that lane, then God's going to call somebody to that lane. And I love that it didn't say, find people that are breathing. Just anybody that's willing. And I've been guilty of that, y'all. I've been guilty of looking at a task. We've all done that. We've looked at a task that's so big, and we're just like, just anybody. Will anybody, can we just get anybody to go keep nursery? That's not what they said. They said, go find people who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. The, the, one of the men named Stephen who became a, a server, a, a waiter. And boy, this is why we should tip servers well, right? He was waiting on tables. And in a, a chapter or two later, he's going to be the first martyr of the, of the church. That's the quality of people that were selected to wait and serve the body. And it's because they had a lane. They just said, hey, we're going to stay in our lane and we're going to get these seven men to be in that lane. Find your lane. Find your lane. It's easy to be distracted by all the things, but find faithfulness in your stuff, your lane. What is the one thing God's called you to do? Do it. Do it well. Here's the second place you can be faithful. And he develops, I want you to see, like he's developing faithfulness, right? You're not just faithful. He's developing faithfulness. So the minute that you have your lane, and you feel this tendency, and I know not everybody would, but some people have the personality type that they want to fix everything. And the minute you feel this need to jump into somebody else's business and fix their business, you need to stop and say, oh, wait, God, you're trying to develop my faithfulness in my lane. Right? So your simple obedience is, I'm not going to get in their stuff. Right? I'm not going to take over what God's called them to do. I'm going to be faithful Years ago, there was a man who had a, I'm not going to say his name because some of you would know him. Um, there was a man who had a really huge ministry telling parents how to raise their kids who also did not have kids. Y'all, <laughs> how many of you when you had children were like, oh, that's why, <laughs> right? I remember as a youth pastor talking to parents of teenagers and I would, they would come to me for advice, and I would say, well, I'll, I'll give you advice, but I just need you to know that I, I have the right to take it back when I actually have teenagers. And you have the right to come and tell me about what I didn't know then and I need to know now. Humility. Humble yourself under his mighty hand, right? Be faithful in your lane. Don't be busy telling other people how to do all their stuff. He just wants to develop you in your lane. Here's the second place, and this one's hard, Right? The Bible talks a lot about showing faithfulness, not just to our lane, but through our pain. And I think of three Hebrew men in Daniel chapter 3. You've heard of them. They got those weird names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or if you were a VeggieTales lover, Rack, Shack, and Benny. 
And if you weren't a VeggieTales lover, you're like, what even happened right there? It's okay. You're like, I love veggies. It's not the same thing. Daniel chapter 3. We find um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's start in verse 16. Y'all good? Pizza's coming. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Now, he's getting ready to throw them into a fiery furnace. Um, you've seen this on Final Board or PowerPoint or something. You've heard people talk about this story because they wouldn't bow down to an image that was set up to look like the king. Because, you know, when you're serving Jesus, you don't bow down to just anything, Right? You only bow down to, to him. So they wouldn't, re, they wouldn't bow down. So they had this edict that said, hey, if you don't bow down, we're going to throw you into a fiery furnace. And so when they didn't bow down, they were given a couple opportunities. They never would bow down. So this is the conversation. They're getting ready, getting ready to be thrown into that fire. We don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, and I'm going to tell you this right now, in this room right now, watching online right now, there are people, and I'm one of them, who have experienced that even if he does not. Sometimes he doesn't, not the way we thought he would, right? But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty. See the respect that they had all the way through this? That we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. And that speech got them thrown into the fiery furnace, right? And we know they were in there. Then there was another man, the fourth man. It looked like the son of God. That's what the king said. And they were marked by fire from that point forward. When they came out of the fiery, the fiery furnace, the king called them servants of the Most High God. Listen, the reason that some people don't know that you're a believer is because you haven't been tested so that they saw that you really were a believer. The test is what reveals who we really are. And so faithfulness in our pain, faithfulness through our pain, that's what God's trying to do right now. Again, never having given birth, I cannot imagine the pain that must come with that, right? But you got to go through it. Faithfulness through your pain. And I think what's happened in the church and in our culture is that for the longest time, people were just like, I don't want to hurt anymore. Which is understandable. I, I mean, raise your hand if you love hurting. <laughs> Nobody, right? And if you raise your hand, we have counseling for you. <laughs> but man, how many of you can look back at your life and say, you know what? The time that I learned the greatest truths were when I was hurt the deepest. There's something about when, when we're cut that opens us up to the core of who we are and God starts planting truth there, Right? And that's the truth that grows in our lives. He wants us to be faithful through our pain. And look at the result um, down in verse 30. It's what happened. Because they were faithful through their pain, 
Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. As I was preparing this week, um, I know pastors can say weird stuff, right? But I really felt like what God wanted me to tell you is that some of you that are here watching online, you, you're in it. Like you're in the pain. And you're being faithful in the pain. And the faithfulness in your pain is what will promote you to the next place. As a matter of fact, can we just pray right now? Can we pray? If you would um, be so bold, if you're in one of those but if you're not, but if you do not seasons where you're like you've made your declaration, hey, but even if he doesn't and then he didn't, if you're in that place, would you be so bold as to even stand where you are? So we can pray over you? Because I believe that God wants to promote you out of that place to another level. I'll just give you a minute to respond. This is a holy thing, y'all. This is a holy thing. I'm standing, not just because I'm preaching, but because I'm with you on this one, right? Come on, just stretch your hand out to somebody that's standing right now. And if you're online and this is where you are, know we're praying for you as well. God, right now, before we even take another step towards this last point, I just pray for those in this room that are standing. Maybe those that are watching online and they're, they're like, man, that's me. You lead us through the valley. We, you don't call us to stay there. You lead us through. When we walk through the fire, we'll not be burned. When we walk through the water, we will not drown. And I pray for these brothers and sisters that are standing, that are in a season, God, when we have declared boldly and we haven't yet seen you come through. Things haven't turned out quite like we expected them to. And so I pray, God, that their faithfulness in this season would be what allows you to promote them to the next one. Those three men in that fire, they weren't trying to get a better position. You saw their faithfulness and promoted them, and we thank you for it, God. And I thank you that you're going to do the same thing here. I mean, you're watching how we're faithful in hard places, and that steadfastness is what allows us to receive what you're getting ready to deliver to us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being. Yeah, you want to? This is Ron's way of saying, you're done, Paul. <laughs> Come on. While we were doing worship, uh, the one lady over here had the uh, fans and was doing the fire. And immediately God said to me, when you're in the fire, I'm still there with you. And I immediately thought of these verses right here that you were preaching on today about being in that that calf and being on fire and them still praising his name even if he didn't come through. And God said to me, you know, I'm in the fire with you. When David was with Goliath, I was with him there. When Daniel was in the lion's den, I was there. When Moses was leading the exodus, I was there. And not that this is underwriting anything that Paul has said, but, you know, it's the faithfulness, but he's still saying even when you're in those situations, I am there. I'm in the fire with you and I'm by you. Even if you don't see me there, I am there with you, getting you through this. So just stay faithful and, and walk with me. Just know that I am God and I am there with you.
Are you coming too? This is the intermission to the sermon. No, you're great. You're great. Well, it started during praise and worship, but um, part of, I've been dealing with depression off and on since I was probably 19, and I've been dealing with it here lately, and part of what Ron said is like, you know, when you're in the fire or you're in the situation, God's always there, and God's always been there, so it's been harder for me to realize that, but today I was praying more about delivering the depression to God and my prayer has always been you know shine your light through me and a lot of the praise and worship songs were like flow through me to other people because I want myself to shine a light to other people and have joy when I should have joy and put the depression away pretty much are y'all good so um by the way, this is one thing that makes our church really unique. I don't have to do all the talking, and I'm completely okay with that. Some of y'all are like, they just interrupted the pastor. Probably a good thing. So, um, <laughs> But I want you to know this, and Ron, you as well, that as I was preparing for this message, at this point, when we talk about pain, I, I felt like God was wanting me to give people the opportunity to share testimonies. And my first, <laughs> this is so funny because I've been talking about simple obedience. My first response to God was, no way. That church won't stop talking, right? <laughs> Are you kidding me? And like, what, what might they, anyway. So it wasn't like I was saying no to God. But, I mean, that's why you felt compelled to come and share, right? Because it's one thing for us to talk about being faithful in our pain. It's a whole nother deal to see someone else be faithful in their pain, and that ministers to us, doesn't it? How many of you are ministered to just by hearing these testimonies, right? Yeah. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray, because I believe that he put that on your heart. I mean, we're going to pray for you, for sure. This is Amanda, by the way. Everybody say, hey, Amanda. But... I love it when y'all... I just love when y'all walk up and you're like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Do you want to talk before we pray? Okay, this is Angela. And y'all, I can promise you this is definitely God because I wouldn't be up here. But even in the beginning of the service, I was thinking about the day that God spoke this to me. I'm sure the majority of y'all have heard this song, Another in the Fire, right? Okay, well that song is like, just, it's like I have instant replay of my life, of bad decisions I made, things that I was put through due to somebody else. But when I listen to that song, I'm like, God brought me through them even when I didn't know him. He was there. But there was one part of my life that I didn't even think about God being there. And that was the first day that I was molested by my dad. And I was under the bed and I was scared. And I was sharing this song with somebody because I knew that I had seen her life and God working in her life and providing. And I just wanted her to see that he was there. And I was playing this song from her and it hit me so hard because my mind instantly went back to that day when I was 11. And God spoke to me, and he said, I was there even then. So even in your darkest places in your life, God is there just waiting for you to take his hand. Does, does he have any part of the sin? No. But he is there because he knows 
that the only way you can get past it is with him, his love, his grace, and for him to teach you how to forgive. And the only way you can do that is to be forgiven. And when you've been forgiven, you can forgive. And God can use that. So I don't know who needed to hear that, but the more y'all kept talking about the fire, I'm like, yep, get up there, Angie. All right. I think we're done. Boy, that took a turn. Thanks, Angela. Abuse, depression. Can you close your eyes? Would you just, um, I'm going to give you a moment to do this. And if you're watching online, you can't yell it out. You can type it in the comments if you want. But what are some other fires that we go through? Would you just say them out loud? Bitterness. I know that God wants to deal with depression and anxiety because he put it on Amanda's heart to share that. Um, I, hang with me, okay? I also know there are people in here who are like, you said three points and you've only given us two and my head's going to blow up if I don't hear the third one. Um, so he wants us to be faithful in our lane, in our pain, and in our gain because he shows up in the fire. And that's gain for us. Paul says that he was content in every situation, whether he had a lot or a little. And so I want you to know um, he wants us to be faithful even when we have abundance, right? And sometimes that's even harder. But I think that what he's highlighting today is the pain part. And so we want to pray. And I'm going to ask you to, if you're here and, you, and it resonates, like depression, anxiety, if that resonates with you, and listen, our church doesn't throw those terms, we don't turn, throw those terms around lightly. Mental health matters to God. And if you're in an area where you're struggling, it's not a sign of weakness to say I'm struggling. It's actually a way for us to know who to pray with, okay? So I'm trying to be very sensitive, not because I'm scared, but because it's sensitive. But if that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Say, that's me. I struggle. I'm struggling in that area. I want you to keep your hand up. And if you're comfortable, would you just place a hand on that shoulder? If you see a hand, you can look. If you see a hand that's up near you, would you just, would the body just be the body right now? And thanks, Amanda, for being willing. I believe it's in Isaiah 24. Um, I know it's in Isaiah. 
God says that he, he keeps our minds, the mind in perfect peace that is fixed on him. And I just want to pray right now for all of you that you would see the fourth man in the fire. And that I, I believe that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, once they saw Jesus, they didn't see flames anymore. They just saw Jesus, right? And so we're going to pray right now that you see Jesus in your pain. God, we, we can never be faithful in something that we pretend isn't there. Well, our, our culture medicates all the time. We are so self-medicated. We do all the things we can to get away from pain. Pain is a teacher. Pain shows us things that we need to know about ourselves and our world and, and about you. And so I thank you that in this moment, this morning, we are acknowledging it. And even in the acknowledgement, hey, King, I know there's a fire, and I don't want to go in it, but I'm not going to bow. My God will deliver me. I'm praying that right now for these that have acknowledged this pain, this fire of anxiety and depression that wants to keep us down, I pray that even as they acknowledge it, they would see Jesus. They would see the author and finisher of their faith. They would see the one who stretched his hands out on a cross to defeat the very things that want to hold them down. That as their minds are fixed on him, they would begin to experience the peace that Philippians says passes all understanding. This mind that betrays us cannot even understand the peace that you give us. And I pray, Lord, right now in Jesus' name that you would glow and radiate in the fire with them. And that them seeing you would help them to be faithful in this fire. God, it's not about loving you more. Man, we love you. <laughs> we love you. And even in that love, sometimes we feel anxious and we feel depressed. It's not about loving you more. It is about seeing you more. And so we see you. We see you. And even as I'm praying, I want you to picture Jesus. I want you to see, even if it's just one thing that he's doing for you right now, see him. And as you fix your eyes on him, man, he will radiate. And you will come through this and not even smell like smoke. The cords that have bound you will come off in the fire. And you will be marked from this moment forward as a follower of Jesus, as a servant of the Most High God. Birth that, I pray. And raise these beautiful souls up in due time to tell of the one who set them free. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.
Hey.